0: Welcome to the Doctors Changing Medicine Podcast, where we feature physicians who are redefining the practice of medicine and changing the experience we have as doctors in medicine. We all know the system is broken, but we've decided not to complain about it anymore. We're out to fix it. I'm Dr. Una, your host. I'm a pediatrician and serial entrepreneur, but my passion is helping physicians create the freedom to live life and practice medicine on their terms. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a movement of change, and I invite you to be a part of it. Let's jump right in. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. You are in for a treat because I have one of my new best friends. Dr. Anna Glazer here, and she is a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist. She has her own practice and a lot of other things you're going to find out about today. And I'm so grateful that she is willing to share her journey with all of us. And that way we can just see more of how limitless our options are inside and outside of the exam room. So, Dr. Glazer, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I listen to you all the time. I think the podcast is so motivational, inspirational, and so I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yay! And I'm happy to hear it. This is why we do what we do. Okay, yeah. so I know I gave the very abbreviated version of your introduction, but can you take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So I'm Anna Glazer and I am a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist. And I'll explain what both of those mean in a second, because I think a lot of people aren't quite sure what I mean when I say that. I actually started my educational journey on the East Coast. I attended Harvard for undergraduate, did residency there, and then came out to the West Coast and joined the UCSF uh, faculty. I also completed a fellowship. And then after spending about five years or so in academia, decided to start my own private practice, which I called women's wellness psychiatry, which really focused on the reproductive mental health of women. And so reproductive psychiatry is essentially treating women through the reproductive lifespan. So it includes working with women who have premenstrual symptoms, challenging fertility journeys, pregnancy, postpartum, all the way in through perimenopause, really whenever there's a hormonal component to mental health symptoms. And I launched that clinic back in 2017 and it has since grown quite dramatically. I initially began as a solo clinician and we now have a team of 11 clinicians. And so we're trying to serve as many patients as possible throughout all of California and really driven by... Basically, what our patients want, we went into the direction of integrative psychiatry. And so, integrative psychiatry is more of an approach. So, that psychiatry is more than just for prescribing medication. And so, you integrate a whole bunch of other different types of treatment modalities into the care of your patient. So it includes psychotherapy, it includes complementary treatments, it includes thinking about the role of nutrition, ecotherapy, physical activity, supplements, botanicals, all of those kinds of things. And a lot of our patients were pushing for treatment options outside of kind of the traditional Western medicine approach. And that's why we went into integrative psychiatry as well. So that's what those two words mean. And I've synthesized them together in my private practice. That's what I really love to do all
0: day. I love it. So I want to start off with what made you decide to start a private practice? Because there is this narrative that private practice is dead, right? And I think a lot of times in academia too, it's like, yeah, just stay on this other side, right? The entrepreneur side, that's the dark side. At least I hear a lot of that, right? And so what made you decide to do that?
1: Yeah, it's so it's interesting because it absolutely that is the case. And I think what ends up happening quite a bit is that people don't necessarily feel confident to start their own private practice. I know I actually on the other side of it now do a fair amount of mentorship of young clinicians who are just going into practice. And it sometimes it feels like you're just reinventing the wheel over and over again, because you have to just figure it all out. And so wouldn't it be nice if someone has kind of who's done it before, who has figured it out, can show you how to figure it out. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing is that kind of mentorship. And so when I started So back in 2017, I don't think that the word burnout was really in vogue. I didn't even know that that word existed back then. But looking at it from today's eyes, I think that's what was happening. I just didn't have a word for it. And so because of that, you know, I mean, just classic symptoms of burnout. You know what I mean? Like the irritability and like all of those things that kind of go with it. And so I kind of fortuitously found a space that really resonated, that connected, just a physical space where I could set up an office and, you know, just piece by piece, put all of these things together and really just found that I really enjoy more than anything, the autonomy. I think it's, you know, with anything that you do, there's going to be some drawbacks, whether you're an employed physician or you have your own private practice, but it's a matter of which of the things that you don't like doing, would you rather do, you know, like which... Category of the stuff you don't like, would you rather be doing? And for me, it's the stuff that comes with private
0: practice where I have the autonomy to make those kinds of decisions. love it. There's going to be something you don't like. Pick what you don't like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> now, congratulations on your growth, right? Because growing from a solo clinician to having 11 clinicians, that's a significant amount of growth. And we, again, we're in times when people are like, you know, private practice is dead. The hospital is taking up all the patients. It's really hard to market and promote and things like that. And so when you think about your journey over the last five years, if I'm doing my math right, what do you think is the reason for your growth? Like finding the number of patients that you need to support the clinicians you have and all of that?
1: Yeah, so I think that for me, it's really been number one, not being afraid to kind of put myself out there. So doing a lot of these small things that you don't necessarily see the immediate return on that investment with. Right. So doing little talks at various clinics or kind of the really old school, you know, I purchasing envelopes and stamps and sending letters, sending emails and kind of doing these kinds of campaigns you know, periodically. I don't just do it once. I've done it a few times whenever I'm adding a new kind of program. So if I'm adding, you know, groups or if I'm adding some kind of accelerated treatment option, I kind of set, I have this long list of potential contacts and I send them more information and I, you know, send updated business cards or I send, you know, updated letters about, you know, welcome our new clinicians, that kind of thing, just so that, my name is top of mind for all of these different potential referral sources. So definitely kind of doing it, the marketing that way. And then also just continuing to do the things that I enjoy anyway, like, you know, starting a, a conference on perinatal mental health. Well, the people that attend the conference will also share the fact that I have this practice. And so there's a lot of different avenues that I've gone down, some work and some don't, but kind of trying all of these different things in order to get my name out there, get my reputation out there so that people know who I am when they need me. They might not need me today, but if they need me like a year and a half from now, they'll be able to remember that I exist. And that's actually happened quite a bit where, you know, someone with whom I connected a while back all of a sudden, you know, appears on my
0: doorstep. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is sponsored by the Entre MD Business School. We didn't get any business education during our medical training, and this school fixes that. It is the only school of its kind that helps physicians become thriving entrepreneurs make money, have impact, and have time for the things that matter. You will get the coaching, accountability, and community you need to be successful. To find out more and to save your spot, go to EntreeMDBusinessSchool.com. And now for the rest of the episode. Okay. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see me giggling, right? Like, but <laughs> if you're watching the video, you're like, what is she so tickled about? <laughs> because this is all this stuff, that again i applaud you on because that's the stuff we we don't want to do (laughs) you know what i mean and the words you use i just want to make sure nobody missed you're like i'm not afraid to put myself out there and that's the number one thing as physicians as a community now like we don't like doing and then you said it's the little things the small things and a lot of them do not have immediate results so it's the long game and is being willing to do the little things, right? Like, otherwise, what we want to do is chase the shiny object that gives us the immediate response, but it doesn't exist. That's not the no. way it works. And so when you started talking about it, like, oh my goodness, I'm in heaven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I hope everybody got it. And this is for any kind of business that you're starting. This is for any kind of mission you're putting your weight behind. It is about putting yourself out there relentlessly. It is about doing those things that are quote unquote small, quote unquote common sense, you know, like, you know, the way it's been done and things like that and being okay with not getting an immediate response. Like you still are all out there full offense, even though you don't get the response right away. So that was, ugh, that was so good. Yes. <laughs> you made me all kinds of happy. Excellent. Okay, So it's, when we talk about a team, If you have 11 clinicians, that means you have more support staff and things like that. And then that also creates this dynamic of needing to lead a team, needing to grow your leadership capacity and things like that. And so what have you found challenging about leading a team and what are some of the things you've done to grow as a leader?
1: I think one of the most challenging things is as physicians we're not really taught a lot of these things. I mean, I'm running a business and I don't have any background in business. I mean, you have an entire school now, but five years ago, I'm not sure your school existed. It did not. It did not
0: exist two and a half a half years ago, actually.
1: Yeah. So just kind of having to figure out the business side of medicine is really challenging. And how do you navigate annual reviews with the people that work with you? How do you navigate feedback? How do you navigate all of those kinds of things? And, you know, some of it translates because, you know, we've worked with residents and med students. And so there's a little bit there, but it's not quite the same as it is in private practice. How do you set your fees? I actually now do some uh, consulting for people who are starting. And one of the number one questions I get is, how do I set my fees? And we kind of spend an entire conversation trying to figure that out. And so part of it was a little bit of trial and error. It also helps that my partner, my spouse, is someone who does have a background in business and you know, tried to share some of those skills with me. So I think that helps as well. And then part of it is
0: just experience over time. All right. So experience over time and it helps if you marry somebody with business experience. <laughs> okay. So, so now you start the practice cause you know, you were experiencing burnout, even though you didn't know that's what it was. And I'm sure you had a little bit of the itch, the entrepreneurial itch messing with you there. And you start the practice, you grow the practice and you're going like, Hmm, don't think I'm busy enough. Let me come up with more stuff. Cause you have the podcast, you do the events, you have the fellowship. So Talk to us why why being a doctor wasn't enough. <laughs> then having private practice was not enough. What's going on?
1: That's a great question. I'm still not sure. I quite know the answer to that question. I don't I mean, know the just, answer for me either. So that's okay. <laughs> just give me your best shot. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I just get so excited about these new projects, and basically, they're like your baby, right? I imagine you, you might think of your business school the same way. You know, you sort of. Created and you grow it and you nurture it and it kind of develops. I've been thinking about getting into gardening, but I'm not, and so I don't know anything about it, but I feel like this is a little bit similar to that where you kind of start with these seeds and then it grows into this wonderful tree. And it's just such an exciting process. And so, and I've had projects where I've been super excited and I've put a lot of energy into it and they don't work out. And that's okay. And I can learn something and try for another project. And so, I mean, this latest one is a a fellowship in integrative and reproductive psychiatry. And I came to that idea because there's a lot out there on kind of psychopharmacology and traditional Western reproductive psychiatry. And then there's information out there on integrative mental health. But there isn't a synthesis between those two things. You know, the Venn diagram, if you put those two things together, the sliver in the middle is very, very small. So it was a need and i decided well why don't i fill that need because i'm sort of doing a little bit of that you know with my team if my team is getting value from it maybe there's other people out there that would also get value from that and so just getting super excited about putting it all together it just kind of really fuels me and i still like the clinical work you know i still see patients I saw four patients this morning before jumping on this conversation with you. And I really enjoy that as well. But it's nice for me to have that variety. And I think that was actually one of the reasons I went into psychiatry in the first place was it's definitely a field where you can wear so many different hats. And so I like wearing the hat of clinician and then sometimes taking that off and putting the hat on of educator and taking that off and putting on a different hat. For me, I just really like that kind of stimulation. Maybe it just says something about the world that we live in these days where we need so much of that stimulation, but I just find that very meaningful.
0: And so where do you find the time for all of this, right? Because this is something that comes up when you know doctors start thinking of embracing the projects they think about, especially with families. And they're like, I don't know how I'm gonna you know, find the time to pull this off. So how do you pull it off?
1: I think I'm pretty good at time management and kind of budgeting, but part of that really refers to priorities, right? I mean, you have a list of 10 things that you need to get done and what you do is just, you have to rearrange them at certain points in time. So at this point in time, when I'm putting together the fellowship, I've rearranged things so that this is at the top and other things might, you know, go a little bit further down on the priority list. But so I think it is a lot about priorities. And when you're really motivated to do something, you believe in the underlying value, you make time for these things. I mean, make sure that it's not at the expense of for example my own emotional well-being and mental well-being you know i still make time for taking care of myself and things like that and i think it really is about making time like you're never going to find time there's never going to be the right time so i'm all about just making that time and you make that time by reprioritizing
0: never going to find the time you have to make the time i love it those are words to live by love it yeah. You know, I love your journey, right? Like with all the things that you've done and we haven't talked about all the things you've done, but we talked about some of them. And, you know, I find that as physicians, a lot of us do have those thoughts of things we want to do to make the world better. Because when you think about most physicians, there are very few physicians who went into med school because they wanted to be in an exam room. And when I say that, there's nothing against the exam room. What I mean is, the way we think about it is we wanted to help people. We wanted to make a change in the world. We wanted to do significant work. And so because of that, we tend to be people who are multi-passionate or we start off here and we're like, oh, but there's this problem over here. And like you, you're like, I know there's a problem. Why don't I fix it? Right. And we're, we're like that. But I find because, you know, we didn't get a business education, we're not exposed to a lot of these things. It's like the dreams. It's kind of hard to pull them off is the way we typically as a community, we think about it. So there is somebody listening right now who's like, man, that's amazing. And I've wanted to do this. I've wanted to do that. What would you tell that person? I
1: would tell that person to go for it. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if something doesn't quite work out? Well, then you'll try again with something else. I've definitely had things that, you know, entire projects, online courses or things that just did not work out. And you put time into it, you put money into it, it and it doesn't work and you try something else. So I would encourage that person to go for it, to give it a try and to connect with people who are doing the things that you want to be doing because maybe they have some expertise that they could bestow upon you. I love mentorship components to what I do. So when someone reaches out to me and says, you know, can you help me with this or can you consult about this? I love to do that sort of thing. So reach out. What's the worst that you get? You get a no, and then you reach out to someone else. So that's what I would advise.
0: So I take it. That you have a really, this may sound weird, but you'll understand what I mean. A really good relationship with failure. Yes. I, do. Right? I was like, I know you understand what I mean, right? Where it's like, yeah, you're there. Yeah. Sometimes you happen, but it's all cool. Where you, Have you always been like that? Or is that something you developed? Because you don't see, you don't see some, a failed project as you being a failure from what you're saying, I don't like. You don't see it like that at all. It's just like this project that's completely separate from me that failed. We'll try something later. We'll try something else. So how did how did this happen?
1: I think it helps that I, I've been in the mental health space and I've probably advised patients on this exact kind of psychological concept where you you basically disentangle these kinds of things from your own sense of self-worth you base your own sense of self-worth on something else completely you know just inherent to you as a human and these are just activities or actions or behaviors or whatnot you have to disentangle those things and then it's okay
0: to fail because you're not a failure this project just didn't work out that is so good like right here if this is all you said this is a great podcast episode it's so good Funny enough, I didn't. I learned that after I got married. That, I learned that from my husband because we'll be talking about something like, oh, you know, like this is failed, and I'm thinking like I failed, and he's like, okay, listen. There's me, there's you. We're cool. There's nothing wrong with us. There's an issue. It's on the other side of the. It's on the other side of the living room. Okay, that failed. We don't fail, you know, and that, stuff like that. I'm like, wait, what? I had never thought of myself being separate from projects and things like that. So that is so powerful. So everyone, I hope you got that. But <laughs> if there's a failed project, it's a failed project. That's all. Now, somebody's listening is like Dr. Una. We're very excited about you and all this stuff, but we need to know where to find her.
1: Where do they find you? Well, I'm on a few different places, both social media and online presence. You can find me through, if you're interested in the fellowship, it's psychiatryfellowship.com. You can find me on my clinical website, which is my name, annaglazermd.com. You can also find me on Instagram, which is also my name. you can find me on TikTok. I do little TikToks about cute, you know, little pearls, psychological pearls, like the concept of self-worth. So you can find me all over the internet.
0: She's all over the internet. So (laughs) did it ever bother you? Because again, a lot of physicians are like, but I'm private. I don't want to be on social media. How can I do this without showing up? I'm like, once you find out, let us know. We will give you a Nobel Peace Prize because I haven't figured that one out yet.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't post a whole lot of things about, you know, my private life on TikTok. I post one, two and three minute videos about various psychological pearls. So I'm, presenting myself as a physician and an expert on this topic
0: not as anna and that that is exactly what i do so that you and i we're cousins that's my conclusion after this we're cousins because you can still be very very private and still say what dr glazer said that i'm all over the internet you can be all over the internet and still be private right because you're showing up as your persona as a physician or your persona as an entrepreneur, but not necessarily your private life, like what you do with your spouse or your kids or whatever, that none of that has to show up at all. So that's fantastic. Now with this podcast, I tell people that this is more than a podcast. This is a movement. It's a movement of change in the physician community, right? So we have all the narratives that we have the burnouts. We have most physicians saying they would not recommend another family member becomes a physician There's a loss of job security, if you will. And all these things going on but I'm like there's a million of us if we don't like this stuff we can change it and so I always tell the doctors listen I'm like share the episode share with another doctor because this is important and the more of us that get it the more of us that change the more the physician community as a whole change so what would you say is the reason why a doctor listening to this episode absolutely has to share this episode with all the doctors in their lives so
1: I would recommend sharing this episode with all of the doctors in your life because it's really a lot of the things that we've talked about are so inspirational motivation. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling burnt out, there's so many different directions. I think the issue with burnout is feeling trapped. And if you can just open the door by applying all of the different concepts that we just talked about, then you don't have to feel trapped anymore, you can just kind of walk through that door and keep moving forward. And that's why I would recommend sharing. it.
0: Love it. Has to be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Love it. Okay, people, you heard her. Okay. And that is so powerful. I've never quite thought about burnout like being behind a locked door. That's. Such a beautiful visual. You heard her. Go share the episode. Take the things that you've heard about. Run with them. If you've been thinking about starting something, you've had that itch, you can. Like you really can. And you may have some failed projects along the way. But the thing is, the ones that do well will make up for them. Like it's fantastic. So, Dr. Glazer, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Yay. Okay, people. I will see you on the next episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. Go be great. Thank you so much for listening. Now, this is too good for you to keep to yourself. So I want you to do three things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share this episode with all the doctors in your life. Number three, share it on social media. Until next time, remember, you are a huge part of a movement. Changing medicine, one podcast episode at a time.